speak, testing, the microphone. I always sound monotone and like I've been woken up. I get that on the phone all the time. Did I wake you? That's okay. I don't mind that at all, actually. I think you sound good. <laughs> Let us know where, where are we. We are in the lo- f- lower level four, the very bottom level of the LA Central Library downtown. And who are you? I am Todd LaRue, Program Manager for the Library Foundation and curator of our 21 Collections exhibition. Yes. Well, I do. I don't. I don't know how much you want to talk about the exhibit because it ends on Sunday, so it will be over by the time this presumably comes out. Yeah, but it's still a very interesting exhibition. Mm-hmm. How did it come about? So, actually, the topic of collections predates my time at the library, um, but the foundation and the public library itself had been talking about doing some kind of project to honor the role of the public library as a collecting institution, because large public libraries like ours are not limited to popular circulating collections. We also have special collections, and we preserve and protect the stories of the people that we serve in the communities of Los Angeles. Um, So I came in as a program manager helping to produce exhibits and events and things almost four years ago now. And about two years ago, my boss, Ken Brecker, who's the president of the Library Foundation, said, this collections exhibition, uh, we're putting you in charge of it. Because he knew that I was already spending all of my spare time uh, exploring museums and collections and unusual sites and people all over greater LA and thought there would be an, an opportunity to sort of tap into that knowledge that I had of the city already. And th- and that's when I sort of kicked it into overdrive or became a little more obsessive or you could say strategic about um, trying to visit every single museum in greater Los Angeles became one of the sort of side goals of this project. And that in itself is quite an interesting pursuit because it turns out there's more than 600 of them uh, in, you know, this large circle around the metropolis that sort of I drew arbitrarily from Ventura down to Orange County in the Inland Empire. And that's how I know about you. Okay. Because I know about you via the book. The book, Specific Museums of Greater Los Angeles, which highlights just 25 of what I think... good ones, may I just say. Thank (laughs) you. Underrepresented museums in Greater Los Angeles, places that I call specific either for the setting, like the African American Museum, which is in the third floor of the Macy's and the Baldwin Hills Mall, or um, for the subject matter, like the Street Light Museum that the City Department of Street Lighting runs out of their office downtown. How did you find all these places? There is no one answer to that other than to say a lot of obsessive hunting and research. I mean, old lists, articles from, you know, LA Magazine going back to the 60s or... um, the newspaper archives here at the library or guidebooks. You know, you'll find one new one in every book that you hadn't been aware of. Honestly, probably the single best method I found for identifying was to just type the word museum into Google Maps and move the map slightly and say, search this area. And like so many things just come up that way that don't promote themselves in any way, but they might be on the map. And then when it, once it sort of got, you know, I became somewhat known, at least among my friends for this pursuit, then of course, 
people are, oh, have you heard of this place? And that, or even at a museum, they'll, whoever's there will mention, are you familiar with th- these people that we've worked with? And so it's cumulative. But uh, there is no, there's one fairly comprehensive book, um, a man named Borislav Stanich created for the, just the county of LA. Uh, and then also the county attempted to create a list uh, through their like data portal website, uh, which is crowdsourced and it's hugely problematic. There are multiple entries for a bunch of places, tons of things that are closed or appear to just be wrong. Um, uh, so no one's ever really cleaned that up. Uh, so there isn't really a great, you know, central resource for all of these places that are out there. Um, so I should probably also mention at this point the Museum a Day campaign we've had going on. So it's sort of in connection with the exhibition here at the library, for every day that uh, our show has been up, I've been posting a new museum from Greater LA, uh, which actually ends this Sunday, but will have posted, and I'll leave it up, so of course it'll all be there, 178 unique museums in Greater LA that are little known, I guess you could say. Would you uh, would you like for it to be a website or a database or something like that? I would like. I'd, it's hard because when you have like massive information dumps, people love in theory that it's there, but it's very difficult to find a way into that. So this uh, daily sort of dose has been, I think, a nice method for people to actually absorb the material. Um, I think it should exist for sure, you know, that people are curious about these places. It shouldn't be as hard to find them as it has been for me. Um, And I would love to do a more comprehensive, like even a coffee table book about the LA museum scape. I think it's overdue. So all these collections, is there anything they have in common? The thing they have in common is a desire to share your own life pursuit or special interest with other people. Subject-wise, they have nothing in common, all of them. But the, you know, museums are really about sharing in a way. Or, you know, even if it's not something that I agree with, you know, some of them have a political focus. Or Scientology has several museums that... um, are interesting in their own way, and I don't discourage people from visiting. But if you know, and you know, because everybody brings their own critique and experiences to these places, so uh, they all have value. But yeah, there it's 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 all about sharing. But that there, you know, that takes a lot of different forms. So in this idea that you want to share something, you need to well, first of all, you need to know what you're collecting, of course. And then you need to promote that. How's that going for people? It's been so hard for you to find these places, and you have a huge interest. Yeah, I mean, it totally runs the gamut. I mean, some of the places that are the hardest to find uh, are that way because it isn't the main focus of the whoever oversees it. So take the Street Lighting Museum, for example. The Bureau of Street Services keeps that museum. Actually, it's quite new, but say they keep it up for 80 years. Who knows? They can afford to do that because it's not what keeps them operating. It's a complete hobby side thing. It's important for them to preserve their own history and heritage. They don't have to open it to the public, but they do, like once a month or something on Friday mornings. Um, but a it's a very convenient time for most people, I must say. 
Yeah, not very convenient. And a lot of, actually, plenty of little historical museums and other places aren't convenient. They might be open 10 to 2 on the first Tuesday of the month. Um, Which tells you something also about who it's for, right? Retired people can make it at that time. That's generally who's most interested in a small historical society museum. The people interested in the street lighting museum are probably in that field and either work or visit that office regularly. Um, so it's their history. They're, you know, they're the ones who are predisposed to have an interest in this subject. But then when somebody who's not of that world um, says, and it was interesting for me also when I sort of made the switch from just going to all the places that sounded maybe somewhat interesting to deciding I will go to every single museum I can find because then I lost my filter, right? I, I no longer said, oh, I don't, you know, not sure how comfortable I would be visiting a military museum, maybe, uh, but there's always something interesting about it. And um, like we were talking about earlier, just being out there and visiting, you know, meeting people whose experience of the world is different than yours feels like an important thing to do. Mm. And then it becomes so different when we are in the big museums, they have such an outreach program and they're so good at showing what they do and talking about their things. This is something completely different. I don't focus on the bigger museums for that reason. Um, I don't think they need it, you know. Everybody knows LACMA. Everybody knows the Broad. And that's great. And they do important exhibitions. And um, this is, it's just not about that. The types of places that I'm interested in promoting or um, having people, you know, be made more aware of. It's a totally... And so, you know, nothing against those larger places, but it is somewhat... Um, annoying, I guess you could say, when people talk broadly about museums and what they're really referring to is only the big ones because uh, it's a missed opportunity to really recognize the diversity of the museumscape and of all these efforts to share so many different types of stories and collections. Um, so I think it's really a, a push to just sort of expand the that kind of thinking about what a museum actually is and how they function so how does these smaller smaller museums how do they exist and are there do, do they receive funding from somewhere or is it often very private initiatives that will die with with the person there's sort of buckets uh one bucket is the like you said a single person's initiative it might be their lifelong collection um or passion and they are the driving force between opening it and sustaining it when that kind of the person passes odds are bad for that institution just statistically, you know, I've seen so many of them come and go when they're in that position because 
it's even for somebody like myself who can like profoundly appreciate what they're doing. I'm not in any position to take over 10,000 pieces of straw art, for example. Um, maybe that's a, a bad example. The Museum of Straw Art, which we featured in our exhibition here, uh, there's primarily one person, Morgan Owens Shelley, behind that collection, but he has a, a group of people, uh, other straw artists and enthusiasts, who I hope will be able to sustain that collection and institution. Um, they're actually looking for a new space as we speak. So, hoping that works out. Um, and then you have things like small, the, like the little historical societies that I keep mentioning, because that's, I think, the biggest category. Every little town, neighborhood has a historical museum. And often they are, I guess, subsidized, like the city might give them a building or charge a dollar a year rent and run by volunteers. And many of these places worry constantly about their sustainability because the the people taking care for them are, you know, getting up there in age. But what's interesting, I sort of feel like it's something that people just naturally grow into with age and interest in that particular subject, the hyper-local history, because that's sort of, many of those places have been around decades already. And so going back to the 60s, it's been exclusively people over 65 um, looking after it. So it's just sort of, and like the opera as well, you know, they're always paranoid about getting younger audiences in, but there's always going to be more people getting older and sort I don't know. So I, I wonder how big of an issue that actually is, um, because I see those places actually being more sustainable. It's hopeful. Also, the types of places we're talking about operate on a much smaller scale. You know, they don't need millions of dollars. They don't have that kind of overhead. Um, so it's a totally different ball game. You just need some some small group of people with a, a passion for that. Yeah. But you are involved in one of all these museums, right? You volunteer in San Bernardino at the... Oh, no, actually, the, well, the Fire Lookout Tower, I mm -hmm. think is what you're referring to, is not a museum. Uh -huh. It is an active Fire Lookout Tower. And we're... How do... So, what, I want to visit, but it's closed. It's closed right now because it's covered in snow. Because Which is it, okay. Because at 8,000 feet, the whole road is closed. The shutters are down. Um, it, it's seasonal. There's no fire danger right now. It oh, it should reopen in May, usually through December, and it's open nine to five every day. It's a visitor center. So while myself and the other lookouts are actively looking for smoke in the mountains and reporting that if we see any via radio to the Forest Service and fire dispatch, we're also interpreters uh, welcoming the public, and we get a lot of families and hikers and people in their summer camps um so it's a lot of fun it's an amazing place it's a complete a very stark contrast to downtown la where we are now it just sounds amazing how did you find it i was i had been made aware that there were some decommissioned fire towers in northern california and other places that you could rent out just as a overnight situation and I'd been looking for that. And while there aren't any in Southern California, I found that these in the system that I now work with are open to the public that you can visit. And I first visited the one that I now volunteer at was totally blown away and uh, was basically like, sign me up. And as volunteers, we are allowed to sleep in the tower. So that's an extra perk. That just sounds amazing. It is amazing. That night sky must be phenomenal. Yeah. Well, actually the night sky, because we have these big... <laughs> 
this is all very tangential, I'm sure, for the interest of your podcast, but that's the magic of editing. The night sky is not so much a thing from the tower because these big flaps, which cover the windows in the winter, prevent you from looking up. (laughs) You have to leave, you have to go down to the parking area to see the stars. But you do see the whole Inland Empire and all the lights and the high desert. So it is spectacular at night as well. Sounds amazing. I'm going to go there and I hope to see you there next time. Yeah, right. That that would be amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me. Absolutely. This is so interesting and exactly what I was looking for. Oh, good. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. 